Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. One of the words that stuck out to me from that Isaiah reading was called. Um, not only called generally, like it wasn't just kind of this like, dinner's ready. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just this like to everyone thing. Who wants to volunteer? It was called by name, precisely called, called specifically. And I remember praying with a bunch of leaders from New City Church in 2016. And uh, we felt very certain that we were called as a community, as New City Church, to be navigating these waters together, right? These like choppy, tumultuous waters of what it would be like to live in a Trump presidency. If it feels safe, you can kind of like go back to that in a second. If it doesn't feel safe, you can always mute me and do some deep breathing, which I have a feeling some people do, even when I don't give permission to do that. Um, But if you rewind in 2016, for those of you who are with us in New City Church, we had that Sunday titled Building the New City in the Trump Presidency. And that was after the election. It was even before he was sworn in. And it was like, we have no idea what this is going to be like. And of course, like, the reason why uh, Trump was uh, elected in office was his voter base believed that he was a, a good businessman and a savvy decision maker who gets stuff done, right? And then, and then uh, a lot of folks who opposed him were like, yeah, he gets stuff done, but is it the kind of stuff that we as a people want done, and, and I suppose, you know, New City Church does not endorse a particular candidate or a particular party. Um, uh, and so I'm not going to analyze the Trump presidency, but I do know that as people of Jesus, as people who are following Christ, we are called to center marginalized voices. And kind of like regardless of how much of an, an administration gets done, it is the voices of the marginalized who will evaluate the success or failure of leadership. And so we were looking around at the campaign that Trump ran and what he said about immigrants and women. And uh, uh, um, I was going to say LGBTQ people, but that was before he did anything explicitly against LGBTQ people. There was that cringy moment where he held up a rainbow flag upside down. Um, But but we knew that the the voices of the marginalized, even in 2016, we knew um, that there was a lot of anxiety in our community. And so we started brainstorming and it wasn't a normal church service we gathered people around tables and said um uh what is it that god is calling us to uh not only do but be as a community over the next four years and we came up with a lot of ideas uh we came up with um this idea of like you know we should have some type of like financial mechanism as a community so that money is available right when uh people who really need it need it in our community. And uh, and that was spoken in 2016. And, and then we created that. Uh, New City Church launched a microloan program. And, uh, and people are like applying for it and, and receiving microloans uh, because of financial uh, catastrophe that they've experienced, right? Um, and, and we were talking about like, yeah, we need to create healing spaces because these next four years are going to be brutal like physically physiologically 
and and uh, especially healing spaces that pay attention to people of color and dynamics of racism. And it's because of those conversations that we um, uh, sprinted so much deeper than we had already been deeper into anti-racism before a lot of churches were talking about anti-racism, if I'm honest. There were definitely churches that have talked about anti-racism since the genocide of Indians and slavery of Africans, but I still think New City is a little bit ahead of the curve. So <laughs> we, we talked about racism and we talked about um, our healing isn't complete until the trauma that has been inflicted upon us is also healed, right? Like if, if we get a Band-Aid today, but we're not looking at the warfare of yesterday, then we're not really healed. And that is especially relevant in conversations about racism because people of color got a lot of internalized stuff that we need to sort through, right? And so we created uh, uh, POC healing groups and circles. Uh, we had that class that we ran. We, uh, uh, we created POC... Um, the Black Healing Circle, and we created the Incarnation Fund, which is a fund to support people of color in accessing healing modalities, especially like therapies and somatic experiencing offered by people of color, um, right? And so, so we created that, which by the way, just to celebrate the Incarnation Fund, like last year we had three people participating in our Incarnation Fund, and this, this year we almost tripled it to eight people. So there are three cohorts of people participating, three cohorts of people of color seeking healing with other people of color as community and also like receiving spiritual direction and deepening faith. And also uh, we did like a socially distance <laughs> retreat. Um, the Incarnation Fund was seeded even before we knew what that was going to be all the way back in 2016 really if we if we trace it back and and we also know that racism doesn't just harm people of color like racism primarily harms people of color and the trauma and the marginalization of that is something that we center at New City Church but the nature of sin Racism is sin. White supremacy is sin. The nature of sin is that it is self-destructive. And so even the people who benefit from uh, racism or white supremacy are eventually also destroyed by it. That's, the, that's what sin means. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's not that it, it's just like empire, meaning those who are elevated can stomp on those who are oppressed. It's empire as in like, those who are elevated create a situation where they themselves are consumed by that empire. And then all of us die, right? Like the, the reason why Jesus talks on pretty dramatic terms is because at the end of one of these roads, all of us die, right? <laughs> and that's the sin road. And, and that's what uh, racism is. So we, so we started doing work in our community, our, our white circles, for folks to be able to recognize how racism operates in their own lives and to be able to lovingly hold accountable other white folks in the community so that the burden of uh, an emotional labor of explaining oppression doesn't land on the people who are most oppressed. And, and all of that was seeded by like these conversations that started in 2016. And, uh, and then <laughs> I remember uh, one of the conversations was we needed, because we just kind of like did popcorn style, like a bunch of different ideas, right? And one of the ideas was like, we need to proclaim hope 
whenever we see it and we need to celebrate every little glimpse or glimmer of God that we experience because we might be entering some pretty tough times and and we need to celebrate as well as we go and demonstrate on the streets. Like we need to celebrate where God is showing up because if we don't keep our eyes on where God is showing up, it's how else can the empire more quickly defeat us than if than by losing sight of God? So, um, so we did that, and then this year we launched an online worship service. Previously, we had been doing some really sketchy iPhone Facebook live streams, but like now we have like things and clips and pieces and a communications person and and we like decided that we're going to proclaim hope proclaim how the spirit is moving in our lives however we see it because sometimes life is kind of tough and it helps to remind each other that god is still alive and moving in the world and we did that we did that um these conversations from 2016 did bear fruit and i remember that we were, we did it not just because it was, um, I don't know, like kind of a cool thing to do, or we were just kind of riding the tides of uh, being on the the latest um, social outrage train. We did it because we were called by name. We were called by name as New City Church. Not that God wasn't calling all the other communities and all the other people by name as well, but we did receive a call by name through this. And as we continued as a community, you know, we heard from our elders, we had conversations out in the community, people started coming in, and the elders <laughs> told us, you're going to encounter rivers and fire. You're gonna, <laughs> there will be waters for you to pass through, to wade through. When you're walking, it'll feel like a current is trying to sideswipe you and sweep you off your feet to take you down a path that you don't want to go down. That's what it's going to feel like. Uh, and, and we encountered that all the time. Uh, we, as a community, were sideswiped by, you know, besides like huge systemic things, just sideswiped by things like busyness and drama and ego. And, and, I, and I feel like God spoke to us as we were getting ready to cross these dangerous, treacherous waters. And God said, uh, we need to travel in a raft together. There needs to be a vehicle for community. And so uh, since the get-go, New City Church has launched more and more Life Together groups, more and more groups as, as vehicles, as vessels for us to travel across the hardships of adversity that come into life. We don't need to go look for suffering. Suffering comes to us. It's a current underneath our feet. And uh, this just this past season, New City Church launched our biggest season of Life Together groups ever. We have uh, <laughs> like mid-70s number of people in Life Together groups right now. Whoa! We're not even meeting in real life. <laughs> and, and we have like mid-70s. That's a lot of people. Uh, and and the, I think the, the metric that gets me even more excited is about a third, like 30% of, between 25 and 33%, um, of the people who registered for Life Together groups didn't worship at New City in real life pre-COVID-19. Like they started worshiping at New City 
since COVID-19 hit and registered for groups. And some of those folks have only known New City online. They never met us in real life because they live in other states. They've never experienced negative uh, 40 degree temperature and, and trying to waddle your way into New City Church and opening the door and feeling that like rush of warmth and the rumble of New City Church folks, that din of New City Church folks being in community together. Uh, and so many people talk about like the reason why I love New City Church is like, yeah, I'm experiencing this uh, rumble and I love it. Um, and I miss that too, of course. Um, but there are people in our community now who are part of our online community who have never experienced that and are still sticking around to New City Church and signing up and like committing to do stuff. Whoa, this is part of the reason why we're asking you to record a video for us. More on that later. And so we discovered that when the currents that are passing underneath our feet are going too fast, <laughs> that we can still hold on to each other and do life together, convivencia in Espanol, uh, because we had, for those of you who didn't know, we had groups in Spanish as well. I didn't just, I don't just like snap off Spanish vocab words. We realized that with life together, that we could make it further and safer than if we just tried to go it alone. And and for some of our the folks in our community, that was the, that was the difference of life and death. So uh, we're very grateful for how these Life Together groups um, continue to support us. If you've ever been in a Life Together group, go ahead and say group. Um, and, and if you are currently in a Life Together group, you can say group with an exclamation point because we are exceptionally excited about that. Um, and, and, you know, we always knew as people called by name who are passing through these waters that there would also be fires. <laughs> sometimes metaphorically of, of the, the pressure, the strain, the heat, that deep hungering voice deep inside that says, you are not doing enough. You have to get out there and do more. That power that can, if unchecked, can become destructive. Like sometimes we experience fires that way, but this year, we experienced fires literally on Lake Street, just a block away from our church. We experienced fires uh, from white supremacists who came through our neighborhood. I mean, uh, people in, in Powderhorn found Nazi banners of white supremacists who came into our neighborhood to like burn stuff down, <laughs> right? And the destruction was on Lake Street, but let's never forget that the residents of Powderhorn were told to fill their bathtubs because on credible information sources, they were told that the, the arson was moving from Lake Street and was considering going down. And so the residents of Powderhorn had to fill their bathtubs because they needed a reservoir of water to be able to fight the hatred that was coming to destroy them. And through people staying in touch uh, in Discord and WhatsApp, <laughs> tons of technological ingenuity, people translating things. There were people at New City translating things for neighbors across languages um, through the watchful eye and through the Holy Spirit, truly. 
And we were able to protect our homes um, in South Minneapolis. Uh, the, the residents of South Minneapolis were able to, especially folks in Powderhorn. And we realized that the reservoir of water that we were drawing in our bath wasn't just external, but that there was a reservoir inside as well, that God gives us still waters for us to find peace at on the inside, even when there are helicopters going overhead, even when the National Guard is still being called into the neighborhood, there is still a part of the soul that can live in peace, even as we ourselves are entering what feels like warfare. And the reason why that's important is not some type of spiritual escapism, but because we can be more present and more effective when we get in touch with the reservoirs of relief that God has prepared in our soul, I remember that um, in old growth forests where there are trees that have grown, you know, uh, untouched by the forest industry or forestry industry, anything like that. Um, in old growth forests, when there's a fire, there are certain types of trees that can, because you know, like through the root system, tr different trees of, or, yeah, different trees of the same species can communicate with each other. So, like when there's a fire, the the trees that are like closer to the fire can tell the trees down the line that something's coming, and uh, and the those trees start to draw water up from the soil, and it's almost they become like engorged with water almost like a natural wildfire prevention system in these old growth forests. Of course, newer forests don't have those same types of mechanisms and, and forestry management is part of the reason why we're seeing all these wildfires, also climate change. But what I'm saying about the fires that we lived through is that it was something inside of us was like, we better reach down into the soil underneath our feet and start drawing up the waters of life to be able to face whatever is going to happen. And, and people discovered things about themselves in those, mo in those uprisings, in those movements. We discovered that actually, like when in some cases, the worst case scenario is happening, we can still operate as a community. To survive together. We can still check in on each other. We can still uh, leverage the new city community group to let people know that you're going out and, and let people know that you've arrived back home safe. We are a forest of people together who make sure that we can come back home. And the fires kept burning. And even though the literal fires, most of the literal fires have been put out, there is still etched in my mind that there were people who discovered Nazi banners in the alleys next to, you know, water bottles full of gasoline and wood soaked in uh, gasoline, right? Like, uh, there are white supremacists out there who are organized and militarized. And I no longer need to just, like, believe that because of reports or because of word of mouth, but because... Our community has seen that firsthand. And I think that that was one of the moments when, um, I don't know, the, to me it was like the calling of New City Church didn't change, but it's like the name was spoken with more vibrato. Like we're, we're called to address white supremacy, and of course that means those everyday micro-interactions of 
ways that white folks show up to spaces and postures and sayings, as well as systems, hiring policies, healthcare policies, and all of that. Um, of course. And like in Minnesota, like within driving range of Minnesota, there are white supremacists, militarized white supremacists, organized with like plans and banners. Uh, and, and I think that that just made me realize that God has been preparing New City Church for the past three years since we started worshiping weekly and certainly the conversations we had before that. In so many ways, God has prepared us for the past several years for this moment, for the moment of the uprising. And if that is true, it makes me wonder what God is preparing us for now. What is our calling now moving forward? What are the things that we are going to set into place through our love, uh, through our restored relationship with God, ourselves, and our neighbors, that four years from now, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we created this because we need it. What are the, the safety nets? What are the networks? What are the uh, spider web, Spider-Man nets? I've just tried to think of a third. What are the ways that we're engaging the net to <laughs> make us so grateful in four years that we, that we did what we did, right? Because um, God's not playing around with our calling as you heard in the the text, one of the the two descriptions that the two adjectives that God uses for us is precious and honored is what the translation says, uh, precious and honored. And what's interesting is that when you kind of scratch underneath the surface and start looking at the Hebrew, you find out that for both of those words, um, for the sake of translation integrity, they're they're um, translated as precious and honored because it most closely reflects the tenor of what Isaiah 43 is trying to get about, which is obviously this kind of like Isaiah, second Isaiah voice of um, like affection and reassurance and faithfulness of God, right? Um, however, there are alternative definitions for those words such that when those same words appear in other places of the Bible, they're not translated as precious and honored. Um, so like one of the alternative uh, translations for precious is to be costly, to cost a lot. In other words, to require sacrifice. And one of the uh, alternative translations for honored was to be heavy, to be heavy. And <laughs> I'm sure that back then, folks would have known exactly which translation they were referring to because language can often have multiple definitions for a word and we still know what the word is talking about. But I think that there's something like very poetic and beautiful that speaks to the nature of calling because our calling from God is both precious and honored as well as costly and heavy. It is precious and honored because it is truly an honor to live into deeper community. It is truly an honor to create church space that doesn't exist anywhere else that we're that we're speaking into creation. It's almost like we're honoring God by by 
honoring the creator God by creating. Like it's precious, this community that we have together and rare. And, and it's also like an honor because we get to see each other spiritually grow and, and, and spiritually fall a little bit more in love with each other, the world and heaven, sometimes literally each other, okay? But fall more in love with life. And that tr- that's, if you're gonna get a front row seat to anything, get a front row seat to people falling in love with the life that God has given them because it, it's never boring. And also there is a certain cost and a certain heaviness to what we're doing because New City Church intentionally is trying to take on the boldest stance that we can to reflect the kingdom of God in the world. We're trying to look at the empire, which is like the systems of oppression, the things that Jesus came to replace with the kingdom of God. We're looking at the empire and saying, we're not going to mince words that Jesus came to destroy you. Jesus came to repurpose and sacred compost all of the tools of destruction and oppression that are outside and within us. And that type of spiritual transformation is heavy. It requires bearing a cross. And Jesus says the cross is light. And it's like, yeah, but it's still a cross, right? Like it's still something that we have to decide that we want. Because no matter how you translate the words precious and honored, the one thing that God promises is that your calling is not cheap nor insignificant. It is not cheap nor insignificant. Your individual calling by God requires a certain type of reservoir, a certain type of drawing up of spiritual strength to be able to pass through treacherous rivers and brave terrible fires because you are called by name and that is something that is not cheap nor insignificant. Every day that you wake up in this COVID-19 fog where it's not clear what day or time it is, just remember that your calling is not cheapened nor made more insignificant by the fact that you are in a very weird living situation right now. You are There's still purpose to the way that you're showing up to the world. There's still meaningful work to be done. There is still sacred composting that unless we stir it, it won't get stirred. And then there won't be the soil required to build the new world. There is a particular calling on your life individually, but certainly that is true for our life collectively as a church as well. New City Church is neither cheap nor insignificant. It does require commitment. It does require every day waking up to decide that we're going to do community together. God bless the people who show up to the Zoom call after worship service. And sometimes like um, one person said like, I do this because I know that community takes work. And like, yeah, it takes work for me to add another Zoom call to my never ending, speaking of treacherous rivers of Zoom calls. But community is neither cheap nor insignificant. It matters, it changes things, and it is part of our sacred call together. If 
there's anything that the third year of life of New City Church has taught me, it is that it is worth dancing in the street even when things are tough. Because this week, we saw a little over 50% of America taking to the streets celebrating and singing and dancing. But I believe that when all is finished, when all is said and done, at the end times, God is going to announce news where 100% of America grabs pots and pans and their best songs and kicks off their shoes to dance in the street, where 100% of the world feels the deep relief that God is a God who has not abandoned us, but has seen us through every river and every fire and somehow has called us together to be family in ways that we didn't even know was possible. I believe that the spirit of God is calling us to that reality. And this past year at New City Church has been a foretaste of, of that. And, and I believe that if we attend to our calling, the fourth year of life at New City Church will move us just a little bit more to that truth, to that life together. May it be so. Amen.